You want your five-star matches? You want your 30-minute classics? Not me. Big meaty men slapping me. Ladies and gentlemen, this is another episode of the Slapping Mead Wrestling Podcast, and I know it's been a while since I posted an episode. My name's Randall Beatley, and I'm your host. Um, it's been a minute. Um, dealing with some sickness in the family. I've been sick. Haven't been in the mood to really record anything. I recorded an episode last week. About some good topics. We might come back and cover it. Um, I, I just didn't save it. So let me go through my process on how I record this. I record the episode. Record it. Say what I want to say. Record it. Now, I don't re-record and I don't add anything to it. But I listen to the episode. Or I sort of just get my uh, initial sort of feelings as I'm recording it. And if at any point in the process of me recording an episode, listening back to the episode, or any of that, I just have a feeling uh, I'm not going to post this. We'll tra- we will literally click delete on the recording that I had just done, close the program I record on, and walk away from it. And that's what happened with this episode. It just, it wasn't that I didn't like the episode, it just... I didn't feel like it was the best work or the best topics to post about. Um, And I just, I don't know. I just didn't feel that episode. Um, We're going to post this one, though. We're going to post this one, though. Because this is our Clash at the Castle review show. Now, I didn't go in and make predictions. I typically do for... Uh, podcast uh, for pay-per-views, premiere live events, whatever you want to call them. I didn't make predictions for this uh, pay-per-view, premiere live event, whatever. Um, and I didn't because I'm going to be honest with you, I didn't think it was going to be all that good. I thought this was just going to be a glorified, you know, Saudi Arabia type show. And boy, was I wrong. And I'm excited that I'm wrong about this. Um, this was a very good event. Um, so we're going to go match by match. We're not going to... You know, a lot of people who do these reviews will be like, Oh, and, and Drew threw him to, against the ropes here and hit him with this move. I'm not going to do that. We're not going to do a move-by-move analysis of the match. But I will give my thoughts on the match um, as we go down the card. Um, and then, you know, a lot of my analysis is going to be, this is where I think they're going. Or, I didn't like this part because of. 
Right? That's my analysis. It isn't move by move, segment by segment of each match. It's, I liked this because, I didn't like this because, let's move on. Right? I think that's how a lot of casual fans, or what I would say people who are sort of closer to casual fans, but have a little bit, I'll, I'll be honest, there was a moment last night, I guess you could say yesterday afternoon, depending on your time zone, there was a moment during Clash at the Castle where I completely lost it, marked the fuck out, Just I, I lost it. Because there's still that inner Mark in me. I don't think I've ever truly been a Mark. And when I say Mark, I mean like a hardcore fan. But I I think there are even parts of, of the... There's casual fans out there who have that little inner Mark, that little something that, they, they, that will excite them. Um, yeah. So, we'll go over that moment when we get to it, and what my reaction was, and and all of that. Um, so, but over overall, before we go match by match, it's a solid event. This was a solid event, and a lot of people are going to be like, "Well, nothing happened," and I would say you're wrong. I would say in a lot of these stories. Either they advanced or they ended and it's going to lead to something else. Alright. So let's go down and break down. Let's go down the card. Um, um, let's go down the card. And... Um, So we'll talk about the card of Clash of the Castle. We'll talk about Worlds Collide. And we'll talk about All Out. Um, and then that's the podcast. Let's talk about it. Let's break this down. All right. So I'm not going to, I don't care about the pre-show. And that's for Worlds Collide. That's for All Out. That's for Clash of the Castle. That's for all premier live events or pay-per-views. I don't care about the pre-show. I don't care about any matches that happen on the pre-show. If they are not, you know, the pre-show was good for certain, but that match didn't matter. It was a six and a half minute match. Um, don't really care about it. It's just to fill time on the pre-show and give some people some, some, some wrestling. They do pre-shows on Raw as well, but they don't, they don't, we don't talk about those. Right? Have you ever gone to a Raw taping? There's a match or two that happened before. That's why the ticket says show starts at 730. Because either they'll tape main event or they'll put on like a match or two before Raw. We don't talk about that, though. All right, so let's talk about it. Um, six man, six woman, excuse me, six woman tag team match. We have Alexa Bliss, Asuka, Bianca Belair versus Bailey Dakota Kai and Io Sky. And they have a name. It's called Damage Control. They finally named the, the, the group Damage Control. Very unique name. I like it. Um, so, I'll be honest. I did not... 
watch the first 15 minutes of the paper of the premiere live event. I'm going to just say pay-per-view and y'all can just fuck off. <laughs> um, I, I did not get home to about one fifteen. I went out at about 12 40 to go get lunch, to go get food. And figured, you know, it takes about 10 minutes to get there, 10 minutes to be back. I ordered ahead. The order should be ready. I should be back here, like, at, right at, like, 105. And they would have just done sort of the introduction to the show, and I would be watching every single moment. I'd be fine. Well, uh, order ahead doesn't mean much to, I guess, this restaurant, because... Order wasn't even ready when I got there. So I missed the first 15 minutes of the... It wasn't much, I'm assuming, of this match, though. Because I thought the match... There was a point in the match, I was like, man, we're still having women's wrestling. And it was not a bad feeling. Um, but this match almost went 20 minutes. This match almost went 20 minutes. And this is the difference, in my opinion... Between Triple H booking and Vince McMahon booking. I'm a thousand percent certain that the Evolution all-women's pay-per-view that we had was a Triple H idea that Vince sort of just signed off on, said, hey, we'll do it once so you can shut the hell up. I don't think Vince cared much about women's wrestling. Now, I'm not... I don't necessarily care about... Um the in-ring ability of a, of a woman. Like, Becky's very good at in the ring. There's a lot of people who are very good in the ring. And then you have people like Nikita, who, while I think she's good in the ring, she's decent, she could put on a match. We all know why she's there. We know why she has the finisher, the finishing pin that she does. And so I've always been a big proponent. Hey, we need the sex appeal. But if you're going to do women's wrestling, do it right. And, and if you're going to fully commit to the women's division is as equal as the men's division, you have to give them time. You can't just put them on there, tell them to have a championship match in seven minutes, and that's all the time you're going to get. Because if we go to the last pay-per-view that isn't SummerSlam, if, so that's Money in the Bank. If you go to Money in the Bank, the Money in the Bank women's match was about 16 minutes long. I need you to think about that. The Money in the Bank women's match was shorter than this six-woman tag match. Right? That's not enough time for all six competitors to look strong in that match. Right? And then Ronda and Carmella, I think that went seven minutes. And if I can remember correctly, and then Bianca and I don't even remember who she fought. Um, that ma The other women's t title match went like 11 or 12 minutes. It's not enough time for any of them to build momentum and to look strong in, th in the match. Right? And so they give them almost 20 minutes here. A change is coming. A change is coming. Um, so, 
Of course, we have damage control picking up the win. And I was, I'll be honest, my initial result was, yay, they won. I knew they were going to win. They needed to win. That's the whole point of this match was to have them win. I was just a little upset that they had Bailey pin Bianca. I was confused for about uh, about three minutes and th until I calmed down and thought about it. And I wasn't upset. Like, I wasn't visibly screaming at the TV. But it was. I was just, like, confused. Um, why they would have Bailey pin Bianca, wouldn't you want to protect your champion and have someone like Alexa take the pin? Because um, what they're doing, if you haven't figured this out yet, the reason Bailey's not going for the title is she still has ring rust. She's coming back. She's been off for like a year and a half, right? She still has ring rust. It's visible. You can see it. It's not a bad thing. But you put her in this group, great way to do it so that she doesn't have, right? She can do six women tag matches for three to four months. While building feuds for, right, now that she pinned Bianca, the reason she had to be the one to pin Bianca, Bianca had to take the pin, was so that Bailey is a legitimate threat for the title. Because now the feud's going to be, I pinned you, I want my title match. Um, but it's, right, and I don't think the actual title match is going to happen till after Survivor Series. Because long term, let's go ahead and pull this out long term, because I think Triple H thinks that way, right? Whereas, you know, Vince was very short-term, we're just going to throw stuff, and if it doesn't work, we're just going to scrap it, right? And so that's why everything seems so cluttered on, on Raw and stuff, because nothing was thought out long-term. I think Triple H thinks long-term. So what's the long-term plan? If the rumors are correct and Sasha and Naomi can come back whenever, like they, they've re-signed, they're good, and... The rumor is basically any day now they could be on TV. If that's the truth, if that rumor is correct, long term, I could see this going. Um, Sasha and Naomi would join. Um, damage Control and uh, Aaliyah and Raquel will join. Alexa, Asuka, and Bianca, and that will be your Survivor Series women's... Survivor Series last woman standing match. Right? Um, that... And to me, that's short-term, because November's only two months away. Um, it's two pay-per-view events. So you got Extreme Rules in Philly, and then you got the end of November. You have Survivor Series, right? And so... That's short-term booking to me. And so in the long term, what I think you end up doing is you have, I'm going to call them Kai and Sky, go after Raquel and Aaliyah. Because I'm not sold on them as champion, um, as a tag team. I'm going to be honest with you. I'm just not sold on the, them. So either two things happen. You have Kai and Sky go after the tag ch champions, or you have... Sasha and Naomi go after the tag champions. And I think it's going to be Sasha and Naomi. They'll go after the tag champions. Um, um, and then... But I think it's after. right? I, I think day one, 
at the day one pay-per-view in January, January 1st, they're doing day one again. There's no December pay-per-view. Day one is on the first. I think that's when Sasha and Naomi win back the the women's tag team championship. I then think Kai and Sky go after them. And this sort of like someone's going to turn on the other and it's going to be so easy. I don't think Triple H is going to care about well, you need a heel and you need a face. Because most stories aren't that way. Have you ever, like, like the anti-hero story where, like, you have this guy who just does evil, but he does he, he does bad things, but he does bad things to protect other people? Or, you know, he has an enemy, um, right? He's a bad guy, but he has an enemy that another bad guy has an enemy. It's just, like, they have common enemies or, or something like that, right? You could have heel versus heel on it. It'd still be very good. And I think that's what they're going to do when Kai and Sky and Sasha and Naomi collide, right? Um, and I think that collision happens at Royal Rumble. I also think Bailey versus Bianca for the belt at, finally happens at Royal Rumble. And Damage Control leaves the night with all the gold. And then the night after Royal Rumble, this is how I would book it, by the way. I don't know if this is what Triple H is doing, but long-term. I think Triple H thinks in terms of long-term. This is how I think it's going to happen. This is how I would do it. Um, long-term, the night after Royal Rumble, Bailey, Kai and Sky, they're in the ring. They got the gold. They're saying no one else can beat us. No one else better challenge us because they're, they're going to get beaten like everyone else has, right? Lights go out. Silent, and all of a sudden, toxic. Toxic attraction comes down. Mandy, Gigi, JC Jane. And we have toxic attraction versus damage control. You could do a um, Febu the, the February pay-per-view, which is typically Elimination Chamber. I don't know if they're going to change plans this year. You could do the six of them. Right, in a match at that pay-per-view because that's sort of a filler pay-per-view, and then WrestleMania, uh, Mandy versus Bailey, um, Gigi and JC versus Kai and Sky, and you sort of, and you continue to build past that, but that's the long term that I'm thinking of, right? That's the long term that I'm thinking of till WrestleMania. That's enough long-term. Six months is enough to, to book ahead of time. Um, that's how I would do it. And the, the, there's that substance there. And again, it all, right? But even if Sasha and Naomi don't come back, let's just say they don't come back. Well, you just do the toxic attraction thing earlier. Think about it. Think about it. Add, uh... Add Gigi and um, JC to in place of, of the of the five women, the Survivor Series match. Um, I personally think if we're gonna have NXT be like a third brand and not like seen as developmental, that we should have NXT evolved on these big five shows. Um, have the NXT Women's Champion defended at Survivor Series. Right, have that match. It could be a big match. 
right? I think I think people will like it. One, it will get more eyes on NXT um, because people are going to have to now start watching NXT to understand it if it's going to be on the, the main roster pay-per-views, right? Anyway, enough about this match. To move on to the next match, second match here. We have Gunther versus Sheamus. Ludwig Kaiser comes out. And at first, I was like, oh, he's just going to do his little intro with introducing Gunther. But no. They brought back Imperium. Giovanni Vinci back with Imperium. Perfect. This is perfect. This should have been the way it was booked to begin with. I'm fine with the name changes. Especially when you understand why WWE made all their talent change their name. They didn't want them using their real names, right? Because they, they they want the copyright. They want the intellectual property of their, their characters. And so, Giovanni Vinci, first off, that's not a bad name. It's not a bad name. And he just wasn't, I'll be honest with you, he wasn't getting over in NXT with... The gimmick they had him in, I'll be honest with you. To me, it just wasn't over. And and so, if he's going to be here long term as part of Imperium. First off, y'all understand, we now have a new tag team. Because I don't think Kaiser was getting over as a solo guy. Being sort of the guy that Gunther beat the shit out of whenever he lost a match. That wasn't going to, that would have gotten boring. And so now that you add Giovanni Vinci back into Imperium, you create a new tag team. And we desperately need that. Just in the same way, in the same way that I just said that Triple H seems to care more about women's wrestling, and he's giving more respect to the women's roster and giving them time to to put on good matches, he's doing the same thing for the tag team division. He's giving them time. He's giving them respect. He's... He's building the tag team division. Now, I know the Usos still have both of the championships. But for the last couple weeks, they've done their international tour, and the Usos can't fly. And that's always been a big issue with the Usos, is they would hit this point towards the end of the year where they do their international tour. And they would either lose the pay-per-view before the tour started, or they just wouldn't be on TV. Like, when they went to Canada, they couldn't go there. I'm assuming that's the same reason they couldn't go to Cardiff. Is they just don't have passports because they can't get a passport. I don't know Wales. I know with Canada, it's because they have a DUI and they won't let you in with a DUI in Canada. I don't know about the UK and, and Wales and, and them specifically. If they won't allow you in with a DUI or if they just don't have a passport because they never really needed it. Um... But it's always been a big issue um, with the Usos. And, 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 and so I'm fine with the Usos having like the Raw Tag Team Champions. That's fine. And I'll say the same thing about Roman as well. I can see where the people complaining about Roman holding both belts are coming from. I don't care that right? he needs to drop the, the Raw belt. We need a champion on Raw. And I say drop the WWE Championship because he's... This reign they keep talking about is the universal championship. So either two things need to happen, or one of these two things need to happen. They either need to completely unify the titles, redesign them, and there's talks that Trips is going to redesign titles, and only have one strap. 
especially like if you're only going to have one set of tag team champions and one set of like world champions for for the for the main roster we don't need 400 straps just give us one for each title right there should be one tag title and one world title if that's how you're going to unite them right unify them if not split them and and give us a fighting champion on raw for both of those titles and i think that may be what happens. But guys, we just got a new tag team. Imperium is back. And I thought Imperium was the best tag team in NXT th- uh, before they before Gunther and Ludwig got caught up. I thought they were the best. They were the they, they're technical wrestlers. Um their the ring psychology, all of that was perfect. The gimmick was perfect. Like I really liked it. And then when they split him up, I was like, well, that's disappointing. Because my goal, my hope was Gunther would come in. He'd come get a title. And then Ludwig and, and Giovanni here would get a shot at the tag titles. And, and, and that would be a legitimate feud. And I think that's going to happen here in the future if Giovanni stays on the main roster. Which I hope he does. I want Imperium to stay. Let's talk about the match, though. This is match of the night. And I, I, I think that's consensus. Um, and it which surprises me because I didn't think that this would have been a good match. I thought this was just going to be um, Gunther slapping the chest of Sheamus. Sheamus doing the 10 beat to the Ballard and a bunch of other random stuff. And it would have been sort of a feather match. This was a match tonight. This was a hard hitting match. I made a TikTok and I was sort of joking when I said it. But that's exactly what I wanted in my wrestling matches. And this is, part, you know, the name of the podcast is the Slapping Meat Wrestling Podcast. And in, in, in the intro, Biggie, you know, says, big meaty men slapping meat, right? That's what this match was, and that's what I want. I want two big meaty men slapping meat. That's not gay to say that, by the way. Every Like I, I posted, someone commented, is there something you need to tell us? No. I just like seeing big men beat the shit out of each other. That's what I want, right? And I love, I love... That they're rebuilding the Intercontinental Championship. It lost all of its prestige. And now it's coming back. As the wrestling, the wrestlers champion. That should be, we should have Intercontinental Champion matches every single uh, Monday. Is it Monday or Friday that they're on? I don't even know. I think it's Monday. Yeah, because Lashley's on Monday. And he's U.S. But both of those belts, we should every Monday and every Friday, we should have a title match for that mid-card belt. Because those belts are supposed to be for the fighting champion. right? That's supposed to be the wrestler's belt. Where I will defend it every week. It doesn't matter who the, the competitor is. right? Great match. Gunther picks up the win in the one of the best matches of the Triple H era. I'll say this. This was such a good match. I loved it. Match of the night for sure. Um, give me here a second. Let me let me clean my knee, my nose holes out. All right. Liv Morgan versus Shayna. I'll be honest. No one really wasn't looking forward to this match. And I kind of thought that they were going to give Shayna the belt. But they didn't. Liv won. 11-minute match. Still longer than what I think Triple H would have given him. 
excuse me, Vince McMahon would have given them. Um, I don't know. I didn't expect much out of this match. This was sort of just who could hurt each other's arm first and do the arm bar. Um, and 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 it. Let's just like this builds. This continues. I don't think this story. I don't think this feud is over with. I'm gonna be honest with you. I don't think it's over. Alrighty, Judgment Day versus Edge and Mysterio. Um, the match itself, I think, is going to get overlooked because of what happened after the match. Because I don't necessarily remember any part. There's only one segment of this match itself that I remember, and that's Edge trying to do the six one nine. And you know, it's the I don't know how many times he's tried to do that move, but. It looked okay. It wasn't bad, but it, um, it's a so Judgment Day uh, lost. Judgment Day lost. Edge and Mysterio won the match. But this was never about the match. And I need y'all to understand, this feud has never been about Judgment Day winning. Because so many people complain, Judgment Day needs to be over. All they do is lose. The, the point of the Judgment Day and should they win some matches? Yes. Um, especially with a name like Judgment Day and a slogan like you're going to meet your Judgment Day. I think they should they should be built a little bit stronger. But the point of this feud with the Mysterios has never been about winning matches. It's always been about converting Dominic to his dark side. Um, that's been the whole point of this feud. And it happened. Not during the match. You can't have it happen during the match. Right? Dominic played his part. He helped his father win. And then it's like the dark side kicked in when Edge and Mysterio were hugging. And that's what set him off. Right? That his dad cared more about Edge than he did him. I'm assuming that's going to be the promo. That he was jealous that Edge got in the match and not Dominic. Um, I'm assuming that's going to be the reason given. Um, but this has never been about Judgment Day winning this feud in terms of the matches. They won. They won the war. Because what was the war? Converting Dominic. Changing Dominic into his dark side. In the same way they did with Finn Balor. Right? It's always, that's been sort of the theme with this group. It isn't necessarily winning matches, but it's converting good guys to enter their dark side, right? And they did it, because guess what? The turn finally happened. This this wasn't the moment that I marked out on. Um, this was done, this was a good turn. He kicked Edge, then he clotheslined the hell out of, <laughs> out of Ray. And then he walked away and we had no, no one said anything. The crowd was just sitting there. Beautiful turn. It finally happened. I'm, I'm happy. I can't like now I'm invested in this story again. So y'all might be like, Oh, the judgment day. So old, they need to go away. They're worse than retribution. I've actually heard that take. I think that's wrong. Um, it's not about them winning the match. It's about the story around the match. I need y'all to understand this. 
And I guess it's because I come from a casual perspective. And I think casual fans even understand this a little bit. But to the hardcore fans who, who will listen to this, the match doesn't necessarily matter. Winner or loser doesn't necessarily matter. The records, your win-loss record does not matter in wrestling. Because the match isn't there to be won or lost. It's there. It's, it, it's a prop. Just as a title is a prop. It's there to push storyline. And so the Judgment Day losing, but at the end winning and still celebrating and laughing because Dominic turned. They won the war. that They won what they wanted to win. And that was to turn Dominic. It's psychological. It's right. So they may have lost the match. But they won the war. And that's the story that matters. Right, so we go into that match. That was a pretty decent match. Again, forgettable for, for the match part, but the turn is what everyone's going to talk about. Um, and that's all That's all that match was there to set up. I need you to understand, that's all this match was there to set up, right? Without the turn, that match meant absolutely nothing, and it would have been a waste of our time. We then go into Seth and Riddle. All right. First off, my first thing is, they, the commentary was calling him Seth Rollins all night. They didn't have freaking. Can we take freaking out of his name? He's Seth Rollins. Let's, let's take him serious. He came out, and I was confused at what he was wearing, and then I realized... Um, that, that was like Elton John themed. Uh, anyway, uh, Riddle dressed as Patrick Starfish, but whatever, we'll get past it. Like I've lost a lot of my fandom for Riddle. Um, with and and, and I know this is gonna sound like a weird thing to nitpick about, but the the finger paint and the toe paint just throws me off. I'm just not for it. I'm sorry. I'm just, I don't even really like when I don't like paint on. I just think it looks weird, even on women. I've just never been that type of person that was like, oh, you painted your nails today. Cool. You look so much better than you. Like, if it makes you feel better, cool, do it. But, like, it doesn't impress me. Like, oh, you can afford to put paint on your body. Cool. Yay. I guess it's a weird thing to critique about, but I've just, it just, it looks weird to me. It really does. And it, it's, I don't know. It shouldn't bother me, but it does. It's not like, I don't know. And I know you're, you're going to come, oh, oh, you're just, criti you're critiquing because you, you, you don't like, you don't understand it. A lot of people, a lot of men paint their nails. Yeah, but let's just be honest it's it's weird to me i'm it's just something i don't understand and it's not for it's not for me i'm not i'm just going to be done talking about it. the match itself i wouldn't say it was anything impressive um um i think what i more so want to talk about with this match uh, rollins won if you do, if you didn't watch the show rollins won which is, should have been what happened. I think what I more so want to talk about is some reactions to the match that I heard. And... Because the match, I'm not going to hate it. It wasn't a bad match. It was a pretty decent match. But the reactions to it just kill me. 
Why can't Riddle ever win? Why is Seth going over? He won all of the feuds, and he was able to talk about his family. Like, I heard someone say, well, Seth's promo about his family wasn't true. He sees his kids all the time. I need y'all to stop taking TV so serious. It's a TV show. So you can exaggerate certain points. You can exaggerate certain points of of your promos. In fact, I would actually pr- uh, say that you should exaggerate certain points of your promos. Right? Because your wrestling the best wrestling characters are, are real life version of you times 10. So right? So what 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 what's something that could hit riddle? Oh, your wife divorced you and you can't see your kids every day. That's something that, like, in real life, that's something that would, right, the, the, the whole idea of that promo, it doesn't have to be true, it just has to make Riddle angry. Because, look at how Riddle lost the match. Look at how Riddle lost the match. He got emotional. The idea in the story is that that Riddle was overly emotional, and he want, and, and because of because he couldn't control his emotions, he lost. That's the that, that that's what happened. That's the story. What the, what's so hard to understand about that? The feud's not over, by the way. I don't think it's over by any means. Um, I think Seth is going to act like it's over, but I think we'll get one more match. Um. But the storyline is Riddle's overly emotional. He's jealous at Rollins. He's overly emotional because he hurt that because Rollins hurt Randy. And now Rollins is going after his fan. And Rollins is again it's a psychological thing. He's going after the emotions of Riddle. Because he knows if he can make Riddle emotional, he's in his head, he'll he'll defeat him. And that's what happened here. Riddle went to go get a chair. Went to go hit Rollins on the announce table. Rollins evaded, went back into the ring. When Riddle went to go back into the ring, he positioned himself for a stomp. And then he had to stomp from the second rope. And that ended the match. There's nothing to be pissed off about. But what I realized, and we'll talk about this with the last, with the main event as well. What I realized with... Um, Riddle fanatics. Let's just go with it. Because the only people complaining about it are people who want Riddle to win. But what I've really noticed is there's a theme there. With a lot of the online wrestling community. This is a bad match because Riddle lost. Because Riddle's one of my favorites and Riddle needs to go over. But that's not how the business works. That's not how the business works. Who cares? Right, right? We're telling stories here. Enjoy the story. That's a good storyline. Right? We got one of the best promos in the PG era out of Seth Rollins and Riddle. Enjoy that. Enjoy that we're going to get more of it. Enjoy that the story being told is that Riddle's overly emotional. And there's probably going to be some sort of help for Riddle to win the next match in terms of someone saying you got to, like, 
zone in, you can't be emotional. Maybe Randy shows up in a, in a cameo. Who knows what happens? But someone, like if I was put booking this, I would have someone come in and say, man, you got to control your emotions. When you're, you got to get yourself in the zone to control your emotions in the match. You, you had him beat, right? Um, and so good, good, good match, even better storytelling. And I'm, I love seeing the IWC and the TikTok wrestle community pissed off because that's always happening. And y'all could say I'm, I'm toxic. I don't even care. I just like seeing them pissed off because they complain about everything. They could, they're never happy. They're never happy with anything unless their favorites are winning. And, and let, I'm going to be honest with you, the favorites of the, the consensus, the consensus favorites that a lot of the internet wrestling community like, they're just not good enough. I'm just going to be honest with you. Riddle is not better than Rollins. Uh, he's not. Rollins is more of a star than Riddle will ever be. And right, right. I can sort of like Dominic Mysterio. They, fans love Dominic. The only reason I like the turn for Dominic is it actually gives him a reason to be on the show. Because at, at, at the point he was at, he was a jobber. And he was getting beat by Rhea. And he had no character. He had no gimmick. He had nothing for me to care about Dominic at all. Right? I cared more about when Aaliyah, his sister, was on TV. Because at least I had something to look at. Right? But whenever Riddle loses or Dominic doesn't go over or God forbid Roman retains, and we'll talk about Roman here in a minute, right? Or, right, when Liv, like, the fans want it Liv. I'm going to be honest with you, Liv is not a good champion. There's nothing there for me now that she has the chance. Like, the storyline going in and the reason people, I, look, I'm a Liv Morgan fan. I have her t-shirts. I marked out when she won. But she's not a good champion. The chase is what people liked about the story, right? And there's just nothing there, right? There's just nothing there um, to, to push, right? But Rollins, Rollins is the best guy on this roster. Actually, I think it's a tie. Him and Owens are the best two on the WWE roster, in terms of complete total package. And Roman would be third. Like, there's this, like a three-way tie. Roman, Rollins, Owens. Complete package. Those should be the guys. Those are the guys I would build my company around. Right? I just, I don't like, like the, the internet wrestling community, the TikTok online community loves to complain. Triple H, I was with you, but you fucked up here. I just... Nothing's ever good enough for them. And they turn on people so quickly. So quickly. Because they want something at one moment, and then the next moment they want something different, and, and it's never good enough for them. And that's why we shouldn't listen to... Like, I'm not saying don't listen to your fans. I'm saying, at the end of the day, take in their input. But if it's not good business... If it's not good for the story or the, the company, don't do it. Don't listen to the fans all the time because they don't know what the hell they want. 
We won at Kofi as champion. He got his moment. And then they sort of, like, no one cheers for Kofi anymore. We won Becky, and then Becky becomes champion. She comes back, beats Bianca, was champion. And then everyone stopped cheering for Becky. Like, y'all don't know what you want. Because you get what you want, and then you complain about it. <laughs> and then you're surprised that they don't want to listen to you. Anyway, main event. Drew versus Roman. Longest match of the night, as it should be. It did not feel like it was only 30 minutes. This felt like it was an hour long. Roman's entrance alone felt like it was an hour long. This was a fantastic second match of the night. Like So Gunther, Sheamus, and then I would put these two. And look at who's at the top of the card. Like, like my top two matches, what are they? Big, meaty men slapping meat. Please don't tell me that, that that's not more over. Right? Than anything else on the card. There wasn't really anything on this card match-wise that was like super acrobatic, by the way. I really liked that. I really enjoyed that aspect of this card where there wasn't, you know, 12 super kicks in a, in a sequence and stuff like that. It's a very good match. Very good matches. Very good, you know, te um, technical wrestling on this card here. I'm just be honest with you. I enjoyed that. Um, but Roman Reigns. So he didn't have Paul Heyman. Paul Heyman went through the table, hasn't been seen since. He didn't have the Usos. The real reason is they couldn't fly, but him, them and Sammy, didn't they get, they got beat up, uh, Friday before the show, right? Which is a good way to storyline that. The Usos can't travel, and I don't know why Sammy didn't go if he didn't want to go or what the whole thing was. Um, but he didn't have any backup. And that's very important in the storytelling of this match. Because you're going into Drew's home court. You're going into J Drew's... I mean, everyone was for Drew. Right? This was going to be his moment. I'll be honest. I'm a Roman Reigns fan. I'm one of the biggest Roman Reigns fans that I know of. I was all, acknowledge your tribal chief, but in the and secretly in the back of my head, I love Drew McIntyre. Um, I love Drew McIntyre. And I wanted him to get his moment again. I think he was robbed of a moment in front of the fans winning the title. I think he'll get that moment back. I do, eventually. Um, this match was just so good. I don't get anxious during matches a lot. I don't. I, I don't take it that serious. But this match, I was on the edge of my seat. I could feel my heart start beating. Like, I could physically feel my anxiety going up at parts of this match. Just back and forth, finisher after finisher, kick out after kick out. And there was just, you thought Drew was going to do it. And everything in the storyline, everything in the build to this match, told me deep down Roman was dropping it. I thought Roman was going to drop the belt and that Drew was going to get his moment. Um, And I would have been okay with it. I'll be honest with you. I would have been okay with it because Drew... My issue with a lot of 
the people who complain about Roman's reign up to this match was, oh, Riddle should have beat. Riddle wasn't built, has not been built to beat Roman Reigns. So it would not, it would piss me off if Roman dropped the belt to Matt Riddle because he never got built to beat Roman Reigns. He was never built to the caliper. The story wasn't there for him to beat Roman. Same with any other person other than Brock. Right? Other than Brock. Brock's Brock Lesnar. So he's, he doesn't really have to be built because it's realistic. Right? With Drew, they've done so much with Drew to build him as the guy who could dethrone Roman Reigns. That it was believable, and it would have been okay, and I would have been fine with Roman dropping the belt to Drew because he was built in this storyline as he's a legitimate threat. And then you add in, you don't have the Usos, you don't have Heyman, so there's no backup. So it would have been, like, there's no nothing sort of to help Roman. And you could see, they even mentioned it on commentary, that, you know, after Drew kicked out, I think it was after a, a spear, and Roman, who sold this perfectly, looked confused because it had never happened before. Like, it never ha- like if Reigns hits you with a Superman punch and a spear, you're done, right? And then Drew kicks out, and Reigns sold this perfectly of this confusion and him sort of like he didn't have anyone there to calm him down, and so he had to pump himself back up and then get to not get into his emotions. Sold perfectly. Right, and then he grabs a mic. Cardiff, acknowledge me. Turns around, gets headbutted. Glasgow kiss, and that's when I thought the match was over, but it wasn't. And then there was Drew speared Roman, then hit him with the claymore, and I was sitting there, and I was like, right, "That's it, Drew won. That's it." And let me tell you something. Anytime Charles Robinson, because this is the main point we got to talk about as well. Anytime Charles Robinson is in a main event with Roman Reigns in it, I'm expecting him to get knocked out at some point. It happens every pay-per-view. Every pay-per-view with the main event, if Charles Robinson is the ma- is in any of the matches, to be, to be honest with you, they have him be the guy that gets knocked. I think she, he was in the, the, the Ronda... Live match at SummerSlam. What is it? SummerSlam? I think so. Where um he was in one of the, the women's matches where he got knocked out of the ring. Um like every ma- every like big title match that he's in on a on a premier live event. He's getting hit, and he's rolling himself out of the ring. He's the best at selling it. That's why they do it. But I swear, man, like, when that happened, I'm like, oh, God, what's going to happen? And then, hey, down, down. Now, let me tell you something. I'm not big on theory. I'm not. I think he's a, I think he's a good wrestler. I don't think he's main event yet. I don't think he's world title yet. I think he needs to get the belt back from Bobby and build up his, his potential. Um, I think he only got pushed because of Vince, and I think Trips isn't so big on him. And I don't know what they're going to do with the cash-in. Because he goes the cashless in, and I knew some bullshit was coming when he didn't run straight into the ring. He ran to the bell. And tight, right? And, and WWE, I'm going I'm to admit, WWE did so much in this match 
to distract us from any other. And right, they showed Carrie and Cross. They showed Tyson Fury. Uh, and so everyone was like, "Well, something's going to happen in this match, either with Cross or with Fury." My thought was that Cross was going to attack Drew because that's what they've been building on SmackDown. Cross was going to attack Drew. And Fury was going to be there to sort of help Drew out. Um, and of course, with the attack from Cross, would have been a DQ. And that's how Roman was going to sort of be saved, right? Um, but they did everything they could to distract us from... It was Those were the only two that were going to be involved. When Tyson Fury got involved, Cole cocked the fuck out of Austin Theory. Um... And so that ended that cash. In. I don't know what they're going to do with the money in the bank. I really don't. Um, but. Um, but should we get back to the match? Drew hits a spear on Roman. Then he hits the Claymore. And at that point. At that point, I was like, it's over. You can't get you can't get through that. You just got speared and claymored by Drew McIntyre. There's nothing that's gonna save Roman Reigns if he kicks out. Then he's at Cena status. He's at Super Cena status if he kicks out of this. But he doesn't have to kick out because he gets pulled out of the ring. And my intuition was like, who the fuck? And I think this was everyone's reaction. Who the fuck just pulled the ref out of the ring? And part of me was like, okay, that's Cross. But why is Rise Cross getting involved. Oh, it's Drew. Okay, that would make sense. They pan the camera. And I was like, who is that? And then they zoomed in just a little bit. And this is the moment. I don't mark out ever at matches. I don't. This is, I just don't really see a reason to go around screaming and yelling. But when I tell you, I jumped out of my seat. I wish I had it on camera. I really did. I jumped out of my seat and ran around my apartment just screaming, let's go, let's go, let's fucking go. Because part of me wants Roman to, to win. Because again, it just, it makes my day. When these people who hate Roman Reigns so much, I right, so we're going to go over, so of course Roman Reigns won. Um, and Solo Sokoa is now in the bloodline. Let's fucking go. I'm so happy for this. I'm so happy. Because let's just be honest. My fear with Solo Sokoa was that he was going to get pulled up to the main roster and they were just going to completely make us look like we're stupid and just completely ignore the obvious. He looks exactly like the Usos. He's, he's the younger brother, so it makes sense. You can't just ignore that. That was the only storyline he could be placed in that would make any sense with him being called up to the main roster. Was him being either recruited into the, the bloodline or him being just sort of debuting as part of the bloodline. This was great. This was a great part, a great way to put him in because he's the only one who could travel of the Usos. Was completely unexpected. Unless you read the dirt sheets and you read the report like three days. That's funny because... So I follow a lot of the dirt sheets on Facebook, but I don't pay attention to a lot of their articles. And I saw a post literally after Solo Sokoa 
showed up, I was scrolling after the event, scrolling on Facebook, and I saw a post from like four days before the event. Solo Sokoa expected to be at Raw on one or SmackDown in the near future. It's supposed to debut soon, right? And then, and then he pops up here. So the dirt sheets sort of, if you read the dirt sheets, you would kind of figure this out. And he, he may have been there. But I honestly thought that the story they were going to go with Solo Sokoa was him being recruited into the bloodline, not him just sort of debuting as part of the bloodline. Um, I just, I, I lost it. I, this makes me so happy. Because for the first time, for the first time it feels like since I've started watching wrestling again, and I started watching again um, Royal Rumble 2014. I always remember it because it was CM Punk's last day or last event. He walked out right after Royal Rumble 14. Um, fucking cry, baby. We'll talk about that in a minute. And anyway, we won't really talk about it that long. But it feels like for the first time in the last eight to ten years in, in WWE that they're not going to try to insult our intelligence. We know he's related to the Usos and, and to Roman. Just put him in the bloodline. Don't try to come out and, 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 and have him as part of something different. Right? I think Vince would have done that. I think Triple H understand understood the only way we could debut Solo Sokoa is to have him in the bloodline. That's the only storyline that makes sense. Now, whether or not he wants to stay in the bloodline, who knows? But this was the only story that you could have. Is he's related? How they're related, we don't know. Does he change his name to Uso? I don't know. Um, I don't want him to. I think Solo Sokoa is a good name for him. Um, but th this is this is so good, and I I'm more so marked out because Roman retained. As much as I wanted Drew to have his moment, I want Roman to have the belts. Just so the internet community is pissed off. Again, I love seeing them fucking cry about Roman Reigns. And we're going to go over some of the things that are being said about Roman Reigns that I think is unfair. Let's just go over some of these things. Roman only, went to win. Roman only cheats to win. He can't win clean. Again, stop taking it so serious. That's fucking basic heel work. I'm tired of saying this. That is basic heel work. Rollins did it in 2015 with J&J Security when he was part of the authority. Never won a match clean. No one complained. I don't remember this much complaining for Rollins. I complained about it because I didn't like Rollins at the time. Because if you understand the, the, the dynamic of the story, I was a big Roman Reigns fan. I was a big Shield fan, so he turned on the Shield, so I hated Rollins. The authority had just got done basically attacking Daniel Bryan, who was my favorite at the time. In that storyline, right? And so, but no one complained about Rollins, right? No, there was not this much heat on Rollins for cheating to win every time. And let me just tell you something. That's Roman Reigns' job is to make you pissed off. You're doing the, the reaction that they want. They want you pissed off. He's the best heel in the business because he is, I understand you want to say MJF. But MJF has legitimate heat because he he does things that create heat in terms of, you know, insults and all of that. He's good.
But let me just be honest with you. Roman Reigns has literal hatred. I don't think anyone actually hates MJF the person. Right? They hate the gimmick. Uh, right? They they feed into the hate. They boo them. They do their job as fans. But I think Roman Reigns has legitimate hate. I think people really don't like him as a as a character, as a gimmick, and as a, a I don't I don't want to say as a person, but he has so much heat on him for doing things that heels do. He's not the first person to ever win unclean in every match, and he's not going to be the last person. It irritates me when that's the he can't ever win clean. Neither can most heels. That's that's the point of being a heel. Like that's he's doing his job, and you're hating him for doing. Like I, I commented on one of the the posts, and I saw people complaining about it, and I said, "Imagine hating someone for doing his job." Like imagine like you went to like McDonald's, and you hated the the cashier because he did his job. That's we- it's weird the amount of hatred Roman Reigns gets. It's like it's it's not even like popular anymore. It's just and, and and I saw a video of a guy who's a big Roman fan. He says, "You know what? The more you guys hate Roman, the more I'm going to like him." And that's the that's the mentality I'm going to take now. The like, now I'll be honest. My dad doesn't like Roman Reigns. Like like the only person I'm okay hate is because my like my, my dad likes Drew McIntyre. And so like I'll go over to his to his house all the time. Now he's not a big wrestling fan. He doesn't watch it all the time, but um, he's a big Lesnar fan, and he liked McIntyre because McIntyre is Scottish, and his side of my family is Irish, and so it's sort of sort of related, but not really. The uh, Scots and the Irish don't really like each other, but I understand the sort of. Um, sim- symbolism there, the and all of that. And my dad really loves Sheamus, um, but the. I'm not trying to say. Anyway, so like I'll go over to to his house, my dad's house sometimes, and be like, "Acknowledge your tribal chief," and he'll give him the middle finger. That's what that, that that's the type of reaction that they want, right? That's the type of reaction that heels get, and and, and it's more of a joke. Right? It's not serious. My dad doesn't hate Roman Reigns. He just doesn't like him. He doesn't want him to be champion. And 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 that's the reaction Roman Reigns should get. Right? If we're being honest, WWE won't air it, but if we're being honest, if the fans were there, and every time Roman Reigns said, acknowledge me, and they held the finger up, if we all just gave him a middle finger, that's a, that's a heel reaction. And that can mean that means his gimmick's getting over. I don't know if you guys I don't know if you guys know this in the IWC, but any reaction is a good action. It's a, it's a good reaction. Any reaction's good, right? If you get booed out of the building as a heel, that's fucking great. If you get cheered and people hold the ones up, that's good. But the boos are what they want as a heel. You want to be booed, but no one wants to be booed anymore. No one wants to be the bad guy, and no one wants. Like everyone wants clean victories, but that's not how he'll work. That's not how the Roman Reigns character works, and the story here. And again, this is what I'm always talking about. It's always about the story. What's going to be the story? Well, first off, you got a new member of the bloodline, but the story more so is I always have family with me. I always have family with me. Right. 
I don't know who else they're going to add to the bloodline if they want to add more to it. I could imagine Tamina could potentially be in it. I could imagine Naomi with her distant being married to one of the Usos. I don't remember which one, so I'm not going to say a name. Well, but right, I could see that, but I don't really want that. Um, the only way I can really see this story ending, Roman's basically said, someone take this industry from me. Um, and I think that's going to be The Rock. I don't think he loses to The Rock, by the way. Um, I think he beats The Rock. And once he beats The Rock, um, I think he'll be like, I'm finally the top. Because I think the storyline they should push for The Rock versus Roman is Rock coming back and saying, Roman, you're not the head of the table because I'm still better than you. And then they have the match and Roman wins. And then Roman... I think Rome, if once Roman beats The Rock, he can lose the titles and, and, and leave. And I'll be fine with it. I'm fine if Roman leaves it. If he drops a belt and leaves at any moment, I think he's fine. I'm fine with it. As a Roman fan, I'm completely fine with that. All right. So, in, in thoughts of the pay-per-view, fantastic. Eh, fantastic, but not the best. Right? I still think WrestleMania this year is the best pay-per-view of the year. But I'm going to give the, I'm going to give Clash at the Castle for what it was. It was a setup show. It was a glorified house show, but most UK shows are um and it pushed a lot of storyline. It pushed a lot of storyline. Um and and for that I'm going to give it a B. I'm going to give it a B. It's very good what we had. Very good. Now let's sit and talk about what else we have going on this weekend. I'm recording this on Sunday morning. Sunday at 4 p.m. Eastern, we have Worlds Collide, which is the NXT show. Um, I'm not going to predict it because I don't even know if I'm going to watch it because I'm not necessarily interested in it. I'm going to be honest with you. I might watch it back later um, when I have things like if I get bored or something. I may watch it. I don't know. Um, it depends. Let me let me check. What? Oh, it's a night race tonight. Yeah, the race starts at 6. I'm a NASCAR fan, if you don't know. So the race starts at 6. I may tune into it. Um, but I don't know. I may I may not finish it. Um, I'm interested in if Braun Breaker retains or not. Because I know Triple H is a big Tyler Bate fan. I just don't know. I don't know about a lot of this. I want Mandy needs to retain. Please keep Mandy as champion. I don't want her to lose to. Here's my problem with Worlds Collide. I'm be honest with you. There's just not enough build. They've tried to build it in the three weeks that they've had, three, four, two, three weeks that they've had to build it. This is not enough build to a lot of these matches, and it just feels like it's. Hey, we're just gonna have these matches. We're gonna end UK. We're gonna have our NXT stars beat the UK stars and bang, right? We have Ricochet versus um, Carmelo Hayes, which is gonna be match of the night. But we already know what that match is gonna be because we know what Ricochet. Ricochet gives the same match every time he gets in the ring, and that's not a bad thing. He's very good at his style. But Carmelo needs to win that match. Come on. Um. So. I don't know how interested I am in what I may tune in for it. Um, 
But it's not going to get a review show. Definitely not. But I just, I, this is not enough build for it. And so I'm just not interested. It's a good card on paper. But, and I'll say this for, 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 um, for Worlds Collide. It's a good card on paper, but there's just not enough build to it for me to care. Now let's talk about All Out. This is a paper. I will not be watching All Out, by the way. Um, I don't care about it. I'm going to pull up the card. and I'm, So, here's what I want to talk about with All Out. I'm not going to go match by match and make predictions. I'm not going to go match by match and, and dissect this thing. Well, I might list some of the matches. Um, but here's, here's my take on All Out. All Out has a fantastic card. If... What you care about is the individual match going on tonight. In that way, in that way, the names on the card, fantastic. You're gonna have a great time. If all you care about, if all you care about is the individual match going on tonight, you're gonna have a great time. Enjoy the show. I won't hate you for watching. Because it's on paper. Let's go through this card. Moxley for, versus CM Punk for the AEW champion. Danielson versus Jericho. The interim women's championship match. I'm going to talk about that for a minute. Um, Tony Storm, Jamie Hayter, Hikaru Shida, and Britt Baker. The only person that should win this match is Britt or Hayter. And damn it, CNET, you didn't put the T in her, in her name. It's Hayter, not Hayer. Damn, dumbass. Anyway, uh, um, I would love to see Jamie Hayter win this. And, and and especially if she pins Britt and they sort of separate, that would be great. But I don't think that's going to happen. I think Britt's going to win this. Um, I think Britt's going to win this. Um, she should win it. Let's just be honest. Um, but can we stop with the damn interim shit? Vacate a damn title. If she's hurt, vacate the damn title and crown a new champion. This is the, you're going to get the same storyline you have with Moxley and Punk. It's dumb. Just vacate the damn title. Uh, you got the tag team championships with Swerve of My Glory versus the Acclaimed. Look, I was all for the Acclaimed. I liked the gimmick. Until they started doing that damn scissoring shit. That shit's annoying. That's that, I'm be honest with you. That is the very essence of why I hate independent wrestling. It's stupid. It's the very essence of why I hate the indies. And let's just be honest. Can't we be honest for a minute? AEW is a glorified indie show. It is an independent promotion that has money and can get on TV. That is all AEW is. It's an indie show. Can we be honest? Can we be honest with ourselves? Can AEW fans be honest with themselves and understand that that's all AEW is? I've been to indie shows, and I've been to AEW shows. The same feel. I get the same feel out of both of them. It's a glorified, large-scale indie show. And that's all it is. It's That's all it is. The only difference is, is they have an actual signed roster. Where, because they have the money to sign people and to have a full roster, right, but, like, when I go to a WWE event, right, it doesn't feel like an indie show. There's a bigger feel to it. 
It feels like I'm live in a TV set and I'm watching something in a different universe. It doesn't feel independent. It feels big time, right? Like, the, I don't know. If, have you ever, been, like, like, I'll be honest with you. So, college football is back. I've been to several of my team's games, Clemson Tiger games. There's just a different feel when it's Clemson versus an ACC opponent. I've been to a Boston College game. There's a different feel than when I went to Clemson versus South Carolina State, which if you don't know anything about South Carolina State, they're not even FBS, so they're not even top tier. They're what we call the pay-to-play games. We pay them a million dollars or something like that to come to come to come get, give us a free win. We beat them like 70 to nothing. Right? There's just a different feel in the atmosphere when you play South Carolina State and when you come and play Boston College. The game I went against Boston College, we won like 24 to 12. Or something like that. It was a weird score like that. We almost lost. Right? This is a different feel. So when you go to WWE show, there's just a different feel to me than when I go to an AEW and our independent show. It's just two different feels. Two different atmospheres. Uh, can we be honest with ourselves? AEW is a glorified independent show. And the, the acclaimed and this whole scissor me daddy. It's funny. It's eh. Kind of. But it's... And here's what's going to happen. Here's what's going to happen. I'm going to say this, and then I'm going to get hated. And I know I'm going to get hated coming into this. The gimmick is gay as fuck. You know why I'm going to get hated? Because I'm pretty sure Bowens is gay. But the gimmick is gay as fuck. It's gay. And I'm not afraid to say it. I don't hate gay people. But that, that gimmick is stupid. It's stupid. And it's the essence of why I hate independent wrestling. Moving forward, the trios championships, come on. Now, at first I was like, well, this is made for the elite. And then uh, it's made for the Dark Order. What's the story going on here? It's going to be a good match, right? If you look at the people in that match, you got the Young Bucks, you got Omega, you got Paige, you got the Dark Order. Right? People are going to enjoy that match. But eh. Let me th- when I say it's a weak card, let me explain that here in a minute after we go through it all. Ladder match for championship shot. Uh, Claudio, Phoenix, Rush, Dante Martin, Andrade, Penta, Uter, Uter, Uta, and the Joker. Um, now, depending on who the Joker is, um, like, you can't really p- predict the winner here. Depends on who the Joker is, right? But here's my problem with this match. Claudio is your Ring of Honor champion. The fuck does he not have a title match for? Can we stop with this? They're two different brands. They're not. They're not. Come on, Tony. We know you own ROH. And would it not bring more eyes to ROH if you had them on, you know, the biggest pay-per-view of the year for AEW? In a title match? Why is Claudio in this match? Why is he not defending his championship? And is this going to follow... Like, is he... Ha- I don't. I haven't been paying attention to Tony Khan's Twitter. Has he been booking this as, oh, this is a, a game changer? Because whoever the... If, if the... If the... 
if the Joker is a new um, signee, right, and this happens every time there's a new signee in AEW, it gets promoted as game changer, and then they don't change the game. They get go, they get stuck on the mid card or in a tag team, or as the ROH champion, your your NXT champion, basically, right. Right, you get the TBS Championship, Jade and Athena. Come on, this match isn't even like we knew this was gonna happen. If you watched the last pay per view and you saw all the debuts, but this match is. Come on, Jade's got to win this. Wardlow and FTR versus Lethal, Saban and Shelley. So Lethal and um, Motor City Machine Guns. Again, it's gonna be a good match. People are going to enjoy it, but come on, Starks versus Hobbs. Cage versus Jungle Boy, House of Black versus Allen, Sting, and Miro. First off, that's a long-ass card. That's a long-ass card. That's a long-ass card. That's one. And that's not even the pre-show, because the pre-show, you got Pac and Sabian, um, Ishii and Kingston, Hook and Angelo Parker, and then May, May, uh, Tay and, Sa- and Sammy versus Ruby and Ortiz. That's a weird match. Uh, but on the main card, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11. 11 matches. This is going five hours. This has to. You can't fit 11 matches in four hours. But I need to I, compare it. Compare 11 matches in, let's just say, five hours to the six matches that we had last night in the... What time we get over? We got over around five. In the, four, in the three and a half, four hours that we had. So the same time period, WWE put on six matches, and you're going to try to squeeze in 11. This is the difference. This is the difference. When I say that this is a weak card, it isn't that the competitors on the card are weak. Weak and bad are different. It's a great card if all you care about is the match going on at that moment. But it's weak in that there's no substance. There's no substance. Now, I get it. And you're, you're, I already know the reaction. You don't watch AEW. You don't know what's going on. I watch enough of the reviews and the, and I'm in tuned enough with TikTok and Twitter and the IWC and what people are watching and, and the, and the, and the, and the recaps and all of that. I'm in tune enough with it to say that I kind of understand what's going on. But I don't, right? To me, there's no substance here. And also, you're trying to fit 11 matches in four hours. Starts at 8. You're not going to go to 1 o'clock. You're not going to push this five hours and end the damn show at 1 in the morning, are you? Now, why? For my, my second thing is, can we stop going? Can you stop doing Chicago shows, please? Go to any other city. Any other city. You don't get the crowd you get. Right? You don't get the same reaction. AEW, just admit Chicago's the only city that marks out for you. 
And just put all your shows in Chicago. Right? Because it's the only city that gives you that loud reaction. Consistently. Right? It's annoying, though. Why is every show in Chicago, it seems like? Anyway, but again, when I say that this is a weak card, it's not that it's bad in terms that the matches are bad and it's going to be, like, on paper, with the superstars on, you got talent on the card. It's going, if you're a wrestling fan, and if you're a hardcore wrestling fan, if you're not a casual fan like me, and all you care about is the individual match happening that night, you're going to enjoy the show. But I'm sorry, that is not enough for me, first off, to spend the money you're charging for these pay-per-views. And two, to waste four to five hours of my time for a show that I really just don't care about. I'm not watching tonight. I'm not. I'll watch the recaps. I'll watch the reactions. I'll, I'll find the spoilers because I don't really care. I don't necessarily watch the week the week show because I just don't have the time to invest in every wrestling product that's out there. I hardly have enough time to invest in WWE. All right. So it's a great card on paper. When you look at, when we just go and read those names and you see Danielson and, and, and Omega and the Bucks and, and Claudio and, and, and Moxley and Punk and right. You got a good card. I'm not going to say AEW doesn't have talent. Here's what they don't have. They don't have substance. I want substance. I want substance. I also would love... You know why I'm critiquing the amount of matches and the short amount of time that they're going to have to put them on? Because what that means is you're not really... We already know Omega and the Bucks, that match is going to be at least 30 minutes. Right, when you go through the, and the, the world championship match, that match has to be at least 30 minutes. And Danielson and Jericho, is that gonna, how, how short is that match going to be, right? right? You're going to give maybe seven minutes to the interim women's match, maybe 10. Right? A lot of these matches are going to be very short. You're going to have seven to 10 minute matches for several of these matches. And there's not enough time. And then when you look here, when I look at this card, one, two, three, four, five. Five of the matches are um, one versus one. There's so many tag team matches. Let's look at how many tag team matches. So, you got the AW, the trios. You have Wardlow and FTR versus Lethal and MCMG. You have House of Black versus Alan Sting and Miro. Right? So, you have so many. And again, I like tag team wrestling, but I'm not a... Oh, like, like, that's too much. That's too much tag. Especially when... And this is what I mean. You have, How are AW fans not exhausted? At the, because this is going to be match after match after match after match after match, and they're all going to be the same. Fast paced, fast paced, fast paced. You, know, the Jericho match might be slow, 
but then they're going to fast pace, fast pace, fast pace. And then you're going to end with the, the stupid fucking AEW world champion match again. That shouldn't have even been on TV. You could have fucking put the belts together here and, and that would have been great, but it's in Chicago. So CM Punk's got to go over in Chicago, right? Fuck that shit. I'm not dumb. I'll be thoroughly surprised if CM Punk loses. I'm not fucking dumb. And, but, but everyone's going to praise this. Everyone's going to praise this card. No matter what the results are. This is the greatest thing ever. Better than last night. It's annoying. It's thoroughly annoying. I don't hate AEW for the product. I hate AEW for Tony. I'm beyond... And the fans. The fans are what I hate of AEW. They're, the fans are the things that drew me away. Tony Khan continuing to... To talk and Tony Khan's a fan. Let's just be honest. Um, but Tony Khan continually running his mouth and just not sitting backstage and shutting the hell up. And then the fans of AEW, who consistently critique WWE and tell me that WWE sucked for for the last two and a half years. WWE sucks. WWE sucks. This sucks. This sucks. Look, we get it. We understand. Like, I didn't watch WWE because I thought it was the best product on the earth. Right? And I'll even admit, I stopped watching WWE in 2019 for parts of bits and pieces. I would, I watched NXT, but I didn't watch Raw. I kept up with it, but I didn't watch it. Like, I understood it was bad. I, you're not telling me anything I didn't know. But, but AEW fans, can you really say your product's any better? And then, oh, but we get the demo. No one cares about the 18 to 49 anymore. That mattered in the 90s. But guess what? Everyone in that demographic from the 90s isn't in that demographic anymore. They're older. They're in the four, in their 40s or 50s. Or, young, or mid-30s. The people who watched wrestling in the 90s who are still watching today, they're not... In that demographic. They're not. Why do we care? First off, why do we care so much about the demo? And here's the thing. When, when, when WWE won, like NXT won a couple weeks over AEW. And, 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 and they were like, well, the ratings don't matter. And all that matters is the demo. But anytime that they, they, they're so infatuated with posting the, the rating. Oh, we beat you, meet me, beat you, we beat you. No one. First off, I thought it wasn't a competition, because that's the, 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 that's also a, a, an argument they use. Well, no one said it was competition. We're just an alternative, which is a lie, because a lot of you guys act as if, as if it's a competition, as does the talent, and how they how they say things like, "Oh, it's the demo. I'm the demo god." Right? Shut up. If it's not a competition, stop acting like it's a competition. Here's my here's my point. Enjoy what you want to enjoy. If you want to enjoy All Out tonight, please enjoy it by all means. I'm not going to stop you from... It's not for me, but if it's for you, watch it. That's fine. That's fine. But I don't critique AEW unfairly. Everything that I say about AEW, I think, is a justified response. And please understand, I don't hate the talent on AEW. I don't even hate the show. 
I don't like the owner. I think he's a spoiled rich kid who used daddy's money to buy a, a to, to start a glorified indie show. And he can buy whatever he wants with it. And he thinks he's doing something in the game. And he hasn't done jack shit. And the fans are part of the reason I don't watch. Because they act as if AEW is the greatest thing ever. And all I see is glorified indie show and rehashed WCW. And I'm going to tell you something. And this is how we'll end it. It isn't winning. If I'm going to treat it as a competition now. I didn't at first because Vince didn't see it as competition. But I think Triple H does. I think Triple H took it personally. That AEW came and basically stole his guys. And I think Triple H is going to look to annihilate AEW. In any way possible. And I think Tony Khan knows this. And I think Tony Khan's scared. Because he knows that he's not better than Trips. He's not. Trips is the better booker. I loved everything that Triple H has done so far. It's great. The product's getting better. The ratings are getting better. This is great. This should have happened years ago. We've all been calling for Vince to leave. should have happened years ago. Thank you. Thank you for kicking Vince McMahon out. Whoever whoever leaked whatever to the Wall Street Journal or whatever that, that, that started these accusations, I don't know if they're true or not, nor do I care. But thank you. Because now we have Triple H in charge. And he's up with the times. Triple H is up with the times. When he was in charge of NXT, like we could tell Trips knew what he was doing. And I can tell he knows what he's doing now on the full, large-scale WWE. So, yes, I'm a WWE fan, and that's the brand that I support. I don't want AEW to fail. I don't. I want them to succeed. But I just want their fans to shut the fuck up and admit that they're just a glorified indie show. Because the same fans that cheer for AEW, like, I want you to understand the double standard that I see. They'll be like, just let us enjoy what we want to watch. Whenever, anytime I critique AEW or someone who likes WWE critiques AEW, it's just let us enjoy what we want to watch. But they don't have that same standard for them. There's some of them who do. But anytime we critique the AEW, we're wrong. But, it, but they're allowed to, right? They're allowed to critique, AE, uh, critique WWE's product whenever the hell they want. Nah, I'm not going to take that shit. If you get the critique, I get the critique. That's my justification. Yeah. The products, there's no substance. That's my problem with this card for all that. There's no substance. You got names. You got good matches. But there's no story. There's no substance. And I'm, I already know I already know what's going to happen. With your storyline, you don't watch. You don't understand what's going on. There's no substance. There's no reason for half of these matches to be on... When you have 11 main card and like 6 pre-show, you have 17 matches, it looks like, for this event. You're going to wear your fans out. I would be tired halfway. I would be tired after the pre-show if I was at that event. I would be drained. 
There's just so much going on at, at one time. And it's match after match after match after match. And you never let the fans calm down. You never give them any chance to... Just give them a segment. Like, it's the same with Dynamite. Like, I've been to Dynamites live. And it's, it's match after match after match after match. And then Dynamite goes off and they tape dark. And it's 11 dark matches. Like, uh, how much do you want us to to to, to give? Because I'm tired. I just sat and watched a two-hour Dynamite, which felt like four hours. I'm more tired. I, I, I'll be honest with you. So I went to Battle of the Belts 1 here in Charlotte. The first Battle of the Belts. That was in, like, January of this year, I think. In uh, March of the same year, like two months later, I went to SmackDown here in Charlotte. And the, the show, Dynamite's two hours, um, and SmackDown's two hours. I was more tired after Dynamite. Well, b- b- Battle of the Belts, that's, that's what I was talking about. Because they, they had come to Charlotte for Dynamite, like, two months earlier before Battle of the Belts. But Battle of the Belts was an hour, and they did some dark matches after. It was about two hours that we were in the stadium. The same time we were in for SmackDown, right? I was more tired after Battle of the Belts, one hour of just match after match after match. And there was only three matches. But I was more tired then, and especially with Dynamite. Like, they, the, the pace of the show wore me out. When at SmackDown... We didn't have a match for the first 15, 20 minutes of the card. It was just promo, and I was into it. It was Lesnar, and it was it was Roman, and we're building. We're building story. We're building substance. And then we get a match. And then we get more substance building. Like a TV show is supposed to. And then a pay-per-view, right? Let's just, like, at the end of the day, the only reason I would have gone to watch all that was to compare it to what, what we saw yesterday. And I don't even want to do that no more. At the end of the day, though, where's the substance? There's just no substance. Give me substance. Give me a reason to want to watch. You don't watch AEW. Give me a reason to watch AEW. Other than, well, it's great wrestling. I don't care about the matches. I don't care that you can do acrobatics and have five-star matches every night. I don't care. Give me substance. Give me a story. Right, I don't watch Fast and the Furious for the action scenes. I watch Fast and the Furious for the story. I don't watch an. I don't watch WWE because it's great action and it's a great. It's great. There's wrestlers out there that would eat all these people on WWE alive. True wrestlers. I understand this. But it's entertaining. Give me something to be entertained by. I'm not hating you if you like AEW. Enjoy what you want to enjoy. But I ask for the same thing. Because so many people, why don't you watch all that? Why don't you watch all that? I don't, there's no substance. It's a weak card. There's no substance. There's 11 matches. The back half of what I've read, let's go through, like, when we go through this, right, the only matches here that matter, Moxley and Punk, the tag teams, which, even when you look at this tag team match, 
It doesn't look good. You got Swerve and uh, uh, Keith Lee and the Acclaimed. That doesn't even look like it's going to be a good match, in my opinion. You have an interim's women match, which the only star on the on, on there right now is Britt. Britt. If Britt doesn't win, it's a bad match to me. It's kind of contradictory, but Britt is the only star in the women's division. I'm be honest, that's that's my opinion. Britt is the only superstar that that gets it in that women's division. The trios match, we all know what that's going to be. That's going to be a spot fest. Not interested. The ladder match is probably going to be a spot fest, and whoever the mystery guy is, if it follows suit, is going to win. And then you have a bunch of fillers. The only real story that I see is Christian and Jungle Boy, uh, but I don't even know if that's going to be a good match. Right? I just see a bunch of filler. Two or three good matches and a bunch of filler. There's no substance. Give me the substance. All right, I think we're done. Thank you guys for listening to this episode of the Slapping Meat Wrestling Podcast. I'm your host, Randall Beatley, and I will see you on the next episode.